Hang on to that worship time because we're talking, we're going back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 today and we're going to take up part two of the anger issue. And I think you'll probably need that worship by the time we're done here this morning. So um, I, I would remind you that we have four life groups and if you would like to study a little bit further on the sermons that we have here on um, during our worship time, there's, there are study notes on the back table back there. Just as a reminder. Um, and then on this particular topic this morning, as we talk about thou shalt not murder, and we talk about the issue of anger, we pursue that a little more. During the Sunday school hour, we're going to go a little bit farther with it as well. And um, so lots of, lots of stuff on that topic today. So please join us for the Sunday school hour as well. And I'd also remind you for the congregational meeting, if you're just visiting today, if you're new to Valley Free and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to go to a congregational meeting. I, I would encourage you to uh, stop by today. There's good food. There's good fellowship. And uh, we're going to review 2018. We're going to look ahead to 2019. And I'm here to tell you, when you stop and do that, you realize God is in our midst. We've done it with the staff. We've done it with the elders this last week or two. And every time we do it, we just step back and we say, oh, my goodness. God was here even more than we thought he was. So come and join us for lunch, even if it's your first day here. Come and join us. Um, okay, we're talking about Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 26. So just so I can spoil the mood of everything we've done so far this morning, I'd like to, like, I'd like to get us in the mood for discussing this topic of anger, if I could. Uh, we have a video. I, now, I know that none of you could see yourselves in that video anyplace. And I know this topic doesn't have anything to do with us today. But, uh, but it's the next in line for Scripture, so we're going to tackle it today. So, um, I've been known to respond to tense situations by saying, the first and more, most important thing that we need to do right now is to blow up. And I found it to be a good way to defuse a situation with a little bit of humor. It also reminds me that the path of uncontrolled anger might not be the wise choice in that moment. Uh, the lady with the flowers, she... I think she was a little out of control. I don't know. But first thing you need to do is blow up. There are no sh there's no shortage of anger illustrations. We, we all have them. Many of my best, or maybe I should say worst, stories of uncontrolled anger revolve around driving in Romania when we lived there. Uh, Sandy's favorite line to me as I was blowing up many times would be to say, you're not here to teach them how to drive. Just let them go. Just let them go is what she would say to me. Um, well, it, it, was, it was forced behavior at that point. So, yes, it, it did help, but not willing behavior. <laughs> I had a particularly hard time with anger when it was in an, un, in an uncontrolled environment like driving in Romania. 
One of my favorite stories, and you might have heard this before, but one of my favorite stories was when a, when a guy shot out of a blind alley, and it was truly blind. There was a building right there. You couldn't see oncoming traffic. He shot out of there at 30 miles an hour right in front of my car. Just all of a sudden, he's coming across the front of my car. My whole family was in the car, and a friend was in the I, In fact, I don't even know how we got that many people in our car. But we did, and I got so mad. He narrowly broadsided my car, narrowly hit my family. My response at that moment was, well, I cranked down the window. Well, the rest of it's not really worth a missionary newsletter. <laughs> I rolled down my window, and you wouldn't believe how much of your body you can get out of a window <laughs> while it's going down the road. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say about that. No matter how you react to anger, we all have it. We all deal with it. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that it's a God-given emotion to us, it, that he's given it to us as a, as a kind of a warning signal that something is out of order. It's like a dashboard warning light on a car. The issue of anger comes not with its presence, but with our reaction to it. That's what we're talking about today. Last week, we observed that Jesus used this, this issue of anger to make an important statement about the Old Testament law. The sixth commandment, you shall not murder, was explained by Jesus in light of the fulfillment that he brought to it, the fullness of it. So let's, let's read Matthew chapter 5. Turn with me if you will. Matthew chapter 5. This is Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, with the Sermon on the Mount, and he said this to his disciples. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. <clears throat> and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now that's what we focused on last week for part one of this teaching. Now let's go on to part two, verse 23. So, catch the transition right there, okay? So, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So if you remember, Jesus was pointing out that the religious leaders had tried to interpret the Sixth Commandment in very narrow terms. According to them, it dealt only with the act of murder, and the accountability of it was only to human court. They took God out of the equation. But Jesus, when he said, but I say to you, gave the complete teaching on what is meant by the commandment regarding murder. He elevated it to abusive behavior and angry words brought against one another. He also heightened the severity of it by referring to an eternal court and to God's judgment. He also taught that if we don't take steps to address the issue, the consequences 
are all the more severe. This is a serious topic for Jesus. But we all have questions about anger. What is anger? Should a, should a Christian even deal with anger? Should, I, should this even be a problem for me as a follower of Christ? And if anger is part of the program, then when is it okay to show anger? And when is my response inappropriate? When is my response even sin? And what about God? Doesn't God show anger in the Old Testament? What about Jesus? Didn't, didn't he have outbursts of anger? And we have to ask ourselves, are there different levels of anger? Are there some that are acceptable and some that are not? Those are all the questions and maybe more that go into this topic of anger. Because we, we all have questions about it, and, and frankly, I believe it's something that we all deal with, whether you deal with it on a, 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 a hidden, obscure level, or if you deal with it on the outburst level like we saw in the video, it doesn't matter. We all deal with anger. We all deal, we all get frustrated with how we, how we deal with it. So I thought it'd be, it's, it's worth taking another time, another teaching time, to pop the hood open on this topic and look a little deeper. We can't cover all the questions, but I'm hoping that we can gain some understanding this morning on this issue of anger, and hopefully we can, we can learn how to confront it in a godly way. I, uh, I didn't know where to fit this in, but there's a a Peanuts cartoon strip that, that focuses on this issue. I hate everything. I hate the whole world. Charlie Brown says, I thought you had inner peace. Well, I do, but I still have outer obnoxiousness. I thought that was a, a good cartoon to throw in here. Okay, let's, let's dive in. How do we define anger? The, the dictionary definition of anger is this, a strong feeling of displeasure and usually of antagonism. It's usually in that antagonism category. Some of the words that go with anger include enrage, incense, inflame, infuriate, ire, mad, madden, outrage, rankle, rile, royal, steam, steam up, tick off. We could go on. We could probably, we could probably add your own terms in there. But none of them are, are good words. They all, they all go towards the idea of boiling over. Here's another definition. Anger is a strong emotion, an irritation or an aggravation that flares up when an expectation or need of some kind is not met. Proverbs 29:22 says, A man of wrath stirs up strife, and given to anger causes much transgression. Here's another definition for anger. Anger is the fuel for the quick-tempered person. Proverbs 15, verse 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. In the Old Testament Hebrew language, there are two idioms that describe the concept of anger. One is long of face, and it actually means long of nose. Imagine that picture, if you would. Slow to anger, short of face. Uh, I'm sorry. The long face means slow to anger, and the short of face, the short of nose, means quick to anger. Both the images get this, are images of flaring nostrils. Can you tell, can I tell if you're mad by the way you flare your nostrils? The, the Jewish idiom says yes, I can tell. I can tell if you're cool or not. Reminds me of the um, episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, is that the name of the show? The episode where his wife and 
can't remember her name right now. Say again. Deborah is just going off on him. Just going off on him. She's just, just in a rage. And um, the phone rings. Have you ever had this happen? The phone rings. It's one of her, it's one of her girlfriends on the phone. And she's just, ah! she's so mad. She picks up the phone going, she's, hi. And they start to talk, and she starts to giggle, and she's just laughing. And, and then she hangs up the phone again, and it goes right back to the short face. Raymond says, who was that? And he goes, she goes, well, that's so-and-so, and that's a friend of mine. And he goes, I need to put her on speed dial. But that's long face and short face. Slow to anger and quick to anger. In the New Testament, the Greek word means a, a natural impulse or a desire. And that's, that's true. I believe it is a natural impulse, a natural desire. But later on, as, a, as the definition of this unfolded in the Greek language, it came, to represent, it came to represent wrath because of its powerful image of just blowing up. So let's look at the scope of anger. Here's where we get into some of the details, some of the, the layers of anger. The scope of anger. First of all, there's indignation. And indignation is a lingering anger that's brought about when justice rears its ugly head. Or when something is unworthy of recognition, something is unworthy of God's blessing. Mark 10, chapter, Mark, Mark 10 verses 13 to 14 is the story of Jesus and the, the children were coming to him. And if you remember right, they were bringing the children to Jesus and the disciples were doing what? Sending them away. No, go away from you. He doesn't have time for you. He doesn't have time. And what was the, what was the response? What does the gospel writer tell us? What does Mark tell us? Jesus was indignant. Jesus was indignant. This isn't right. This is the kind of anger that simmers, but it, it's not necessarily connected to any sense of vengeance or, or getting back at someone. It's not necessarily connected to any sort of reaction. We, we might just say, here in Minnesota, we might just say, well, they're just stewing on it. You might have felt something like that when you heard the news this week of, in, in New York State and the new abortion law that's been passed. That's indignation. That's just simmering on it. That's just, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe that not only did they do that, but they, they celebrated it in such a way. It makes us sick to our stomachs. That's, that's indignation. With Jesus, it's always righteous indignation. But it, it, can be, it can go the other way, too. It can be used in other ways as well. When James and John, if you remember this scenario, James and John asked Jesus, hey, is, when you come into your kingdom, can we sit on your right hand and your left hand? Do you remember that? you remember what the disciples' response was to that? <laughs> they were indignant. They didn't like the idea that John and James and John were trying to muscle their way in. That's the term there, Indignant. And I imagine there's some looks that go with that. I imagine there's some scowls that go with that. There's some sideways glances, but there's, there's no hollering. There's no screaming. There's, there's no blowing up. It's just, like, really? Really? That's indignation. When the woman came and anointed the feet of Jesus with the expensive oil, and the disciples were indignant because she was wasting all that money, that's indignation. We can imagine the glares, the sideways looks that come in situations like that. 
Then the next level of, of anger comes, and we'll, we'll call that wrath. This is more of a burning anger, a seething anger. Wrath moves, moves the emotion of anger from, uh, it, towards taking action to an outward expression. Now we've left the idea that I'm just going to sit and think about it, and now I'm going to act on I'm, I'm, it's, it's There's some sort of a... I, people can see that I'm mad. God's wrath is a common theme in Scripture. It, it means that a line has been crossed and that wrath has been invoked. Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. Wrath is like the guy at the, at the, the airport and going up to the counter and, and giving the, the ticket agent a hard time. Just berating the ticket agent and giving them, all, nothing was going right and, and everything was the agent's fault and just made an ugly scene and he humiliated the agent. Later on, the agent was asked by one of his colleagues, how did you, how'd you stay calm through all of that? How did you do that? She said, well, it's okay. He went, he went to New York, but his bags went to Tokyo. You just poked an eye. You just stirred up. Say again? Probably. <laughs> if they were marked Tokyo, I sent them to Tokyo. That's poking the wrath of someone. And then the third level is, is fury. I, I want you to notice here, as I think about this, uh, this progression here, we're moving away from controlled responses to uncontrolled responses. If, if, if I probably should have done this on the PowerPoint, is draw an arrow that goes or controlled circumstances, controlled responses over to, and that's where we're going with fury. It's fiery. It's, it's, it's out of control anger. The word implies that it's a, it's a force. It's a force that's bent on bringing harm of some kind to somebody. Proverbs 27, 4 says, Wrath is cruel and fury is overwhelming. It's the kind of anger that makes everyone in the room cringe or run for cover. It's that out-of-control boss, out, out boss that's screaming at somebody. Maybe it's you. It's the parent who's hollering and, and throwing things, banging on things. In Scripture, it's, it's the religious leaders who are so angry at the disciples and their message that, they, that, that says that they were furious with them. They wanted to kill them. That's fury. It's the kind of anger that when it's over, you have to apologize. It's the kind where people can't believe what they just saw. It damages, it breaks trust, and it's out of control. And the last category is rage. This is an out-of-control forest fire kind of rage. It's a campfire kind of rage like we just saw in California. It's the inferno that's sometimes called temporary insanity. It's the kind that later says, I can't believe I did that. Not only does it bring destruction to others, but it's most likely self-defeating. Bringing broken relationships, it brings physical harm to others, 
possibly to yourself as you express your anger. It's, it's King Saul, outraged at his son Jonathan, so mad at him that he stood up from the dining room table and threw a spear at him and almost killed his own son. That's rage. A number of years ago, I was riding with Pastor Dave, a former pastor here at Valley Free. Uh, we were going to a, a meeting of some kind in, in the cities, and we were going up Flying Cloud Hill, where it turns into three lanes right below Flying Cloud Airport. And um, some guy, Dave and I were talking, and he had a big Suburban, and um, we, were, we were talking away, and I didn't realize he was watching in his mirror, and there was some guy that was right behind us. And he was, he was this far away from us, and literally this far away from us. And Dave finally interrupted me just jabbering on, and he said, this guy's out of control. This guy's out of control. And I turned and I looked back, and there was the guy. I mean, he was right there. And he would back off, and then he'd come back up, and pretty soon he was ramming the back of Dave's Suburban. That's pretty unnerving. And they'd back up, and then he'd ram it again. Fortunately, Dave had a big Suburban. The guy had a little tiny car of some kind. Did more damage to his own car, which kind of proves my point this morning. And he had a great big hitch on the back that took all the, all the hit. I, neither one of us had a cell phone with. That tells you how long ago it was. Um, we got up, got up on the other side of Flying Cloud Airport, and the guy finally gave up on us. He was trying to get us to pull over, and Dave wouldn't pull over. And, um, the guy just sped on by. Later on that evening, on the evening news, we heard that a guy was, was arrested on Highway 62, up, uh, probably up by Wooddale Church, up in that area up there, same guy. He had, he had done the same thing to a, an elderly gentleman, except the elderly gentleman stopped his car and got out of the car, and the man was beating him on the side of the road. And they caught him and they arrested him. Same guy. That's rage. That's rage. So where does it come from? If you're, if you're taking notes this morning, I, I, I have another section here called the Roots of Anger, section 3. Sorry, I, I missed that in putting the notes together this morning. The Roots of Anger. So when you see anger out of control, you have to wonder where does it come from. You can believe that much of our conversation for Dave and I that day was thinking about where in the world does the anger come from in a man like that. Probably drug-induced, I would guess. So whether it's somebody ramming the back of a truck or whether it's a parent screaming at a child out of, out of control or wherever you see your anger displayed in an unhealthy way, you're left wondering, what makes someone act like that? Maybe you've blown up at someone and in a moment of reflection later wondered how you could be so out of control. You see, anger is but a symptom go back to the idea that it's a God-given alarm system for our hearts. If anger is out of control, then our heart is out of control. It's a heart issue. Scripture tells us that the heart is deceitful and it's sick. It tells us that, that from the heart flow evil thoughts, and Jesus said, especially murder. And we also know that Satan is a murderer and a liar. So you put all those things in a pot and you stir it up and that's 
where the problems begin. You see, when our passions, and anger is a passion, when our passions are outside of God's influence, anger can quickly turn into wrath and fury and rage. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 4. And many of us are familiar with James chapter 4 and the source, the roots. Roots of anger. James writes this in James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? There, there's the question. There's the question. Is it not this, that your passions, we could insert anger here, but passions are at war within you? There it is. It's a heart issue. If I'm acting like that, there's something going on in my heart that is unsettled, that's, that's unresolved, that needs to be dealt with. He goes on to say, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Our passions easily control us. Titus 3.3 says it like this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. How's that for a summary of where anger comes from? We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We're caught up in it. James says it's a war going on inside of us. You see, anger shines a light on that war. Anger provides an arena for the battle to be fought. Isn't that what Megan was talking about this morning with the devotion she read from Paul Tripp? We try to cover it up. We try to pretend that it's not serious. It's probably more serious than we give it credit for. Locked up in our passions. And if we dig deep enough, if we do hear the heart work that the Holy Spirit leads us to, we'll discover that our heart hides things that tend to surface in moments of anger. I'm going to say that again. If we do the heart work that the Holy Spirit leads us to, we'll discover that our heart hides things that tend to surface in moments of anger. Have you ever been hurt in the past? Have someone's words or someone's rejection left you to lash out at others? Have you been the victim of a terrible injustice? Are you using anger to set the record straight? Is fear driving your life? Are you trying to manipulate others to alleviate your fear? Is your fear causing you to bite and devour one another? Are you frustrated by unmet expectations? Has someone failed you so you, you lash out and you try to manipulate that person into meeting your expectations? There's lots of reasons why anger boils over. But if anger is the dashboard light telling us that there's a problem, then we need to address it. If you're wondering where the behavior, where the cutting words, where the violent responses are coming from, listen to James and search your heart. 
I'll just throw a, a plug in here. That's why I, we're so excited that Celebrate Recovery is, is going to start this spring because it's a forum for us to address these issues. And I hope you'll consider being part of it. Kathleen, what, how, habits, hurts, and hang-ups? Did I say that right? Okay. That's all in there. And the more you dig around in your heart, the more you realize that James is right. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You got to go in there, people. You got to go in there and you have to let the Holy Spirit tell you what's happening. You have to let the Holy Spirit shine his light inside your heart and say, here's something we have to take out. Here's something we need to resolve. Here's something we need to look at. We need to do the heart work. So what's our response to anger? In our wrestling with this issue of anger, we're going to ask the question. It always comes up. We're going to ask the question of righteous indignation. God deals with his anger. Jesus deals with his anger. He displayed anger at times. And yet we know that with Jesus, there's no sin involved. So how did Jesus do that? How did he display his anger and yet... We are told, we understand, that there was no sin in the life of Jesus. So what is healthy anger? How do I respond in a godly way to this alarm that's going off inside of me? So I did a brief study on, on the wrath of God and the anger of God in the Old Testament. And I, must, I, have, to, I have to tell you, I, was, I, was, I knew that, that this is a constant theme in the Old Testament, God's wrath, God's anger. God is always trying to correct his people, always trying to bring them back to himself, always disciplining his people in the hopes that they will listen to him. But when I did the study on this, when I, when I kind of went through the Old Testament and, and looked through all the places that this word appears, wrath or anger, I must confess to being overwhelmed. It was a constant theme in the Old Testament. He displayed his anger when people worked against him, when they rebelled, when they lived in overt sin. Anytime his plan, his purposes, and his grace were impeded by sin, he responded with wrath and punishment, trying to bring them back. He was always designed to show his power and his glory. He was always designed to lead people back into a relationship with him. But here's the problem. You see, we're quick to lay our own natures over God. We're, we're quick to lay the template of our lives, of our passions, of our, our, our issues with this. We lay it over God and we say, well, God's angry all the time. And pretty soon there's an image in our head. There's, our imagination goes wild and we realize God's out of control too. But he's not. We, we paint him as out of control, as mean and vindictive, but his anger is always controlled. It's always justified. And there's his, probably the most important thought that goes with that, and it's always done out of love for his people. Can you say that about your anger? I'm afraid I can't. In the ministry of Jesus, we see him turning over the tables of the money changers in the temple. He's, he's angrily challenging the disciples to let the children come to him. In the story of the man with the withered arm that Jesus healed, Jesus was angry at the, at the Pharisees. 
for not letting him heal on the Sabbath. We see times when Jesus exhibited, displayed anger. But even in his anger, Jesus was found to be without sin. I'll say it again. God's ways are always true and correct. His anger and his wrath never operate independently from his love. His love for you and his love for his people. It's always designed to protect us. It's always designed to punish evil. It's always designed to correct injustice. And it's always designed to draw people back to himself. And so when we think about anger, when we're dealing with these issues, I think we have, this is a baseline for us. Our reactions to anger must always align with God's response to anger. Any, anything outside of the way God responds to anger means it's an issue that we need to seek the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit for. We like to paint our cause as worthy and righteous, and I'm afraid that most of the time our anger doesn't fall in that category. We work really hard to make it look that way. But God's anger is always righteous, always pure. So what do we do with this? How do we make a life application out of this? I just had some rambling thoughts here. Let me, let me just run through these real quick. You have to address the underlying issues. We've talked about that, doing the heart work in, in, in collaboration with the Holy Spirit as he leads. Always, we, we, if, if anger is an issue, I guarantee there's something else underneath that you need to look at. I suggest you get with Celebrate Recovery, you get with a counselor, you get with a friend, you start, to, you start to expose that and understand what it is. If you're angry, you need to address the issues of the moment. Understand, in, in the Sunday School Hour, we're going, to, we're going to practice active listening, which means I need to understand what the real issue is. If I'm blowing up as a husband... I need to understand what my wife is trying to tell me. And that's, that's real easy if you just listen. Somebody laughed. Somebody laughed. <laughs> it was meant as a joke. It didn't go. Forget it. I'm moving on. Thank you. Thank you. You need to see the other person as God's creation. We talked about this last week. You need to see the other person as God's it's the image of God stamped on his heart, her, her heart. Boy, that is so easy to forget, especially when we're talking about national issues and all the things that we see in the news and the, and the current topics. It's real easy to put the image of God off to the side. But the issue is always the sin. The person that you're talking to, no matter what has happened, no matter how they're talking to you, is still a person made in the image of God. And I need to walk in that. I need to treat them with dignity and respect regardless of the situation. We need to evaluate the value of the problem. What do I mean by that? Is this a hill to die on? How many times have you seen somebody, maybe it's you, maybe it's me, going on and on and on and on, and it's escalating and it's going crazy, and you realize, you back up, you come back to it five minutes later, and you realize, what in the world? Just put another piece of toast in the toaster. Throw the burnt one away. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Is this a hill to die on? 
And then the old standard, which is still true, cool off, count to 10, take a walk around the block, step back. But here's, a, here's something to add to that. If you're fighting with somebody, if your anger is getting out of control, don't just walk away. That doesn't help. You have to say something to the effect of, I can't process this right now. My anger is, is, is so far that I, I can't think straight. I'm going to come. Well, let's talk about this tomorrow morning. Let's talk about this over lunch today. Always leave a, an end game in mind. If you just walk away and say nothing, that's not going to help. I've got one other idea that just comes across my, my mind. Maybe you've got more to add to this list, but I think this is, this is in line with what Scripture would have us say, and that is don't entertain fools. A lot of times people are just trying to drag you into a fight. Don't, don't let them walk away. Don't entertain fools. These and other ways are, 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 are ways that we can rein in our anger but in, Jesus, in his teaching, Jesus leads us from the negative to the positive. We'll go back to Matthew chapter 5. Look at this. Verse 23. Verse 23. He says, so. So. If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you'll never get out until you've paid the last penny. How many of you have read this passage and not realized that it's connected to the passage before? We've always, dis we've always disengaged it. But these two ideas go together. The anger, the, the commentary on, the, on murder and anger in verses 21 to 22 is connected to verses 23 to 26. God is, Jesus is moving us from the negative of punishment and judgment, moving us towards what do you do with this then? So let's look at this idea. Let's look at this idea very quickly. We are all really good at this. We're really good at balancing out good and bad. So if I go to church, in, in, the case, in the case of Matthew 5, if I go to the temple and I go through all the process, I buy my sacrifice and, and I take the sacrifice in and I have it purified and, and set apart for a sacrifice, and <clears throat> I go through all the different courts in the temple, and if we go to church, if, we, if, we act, if we're involved in service, if we're helping other people, if we're, if we're on the worship team, if we're teaching Sunday school, if all, we're doing all that, and it all looks really good, And that's, if we're doing all of that, then if there's a bad relationship going on, if I just chewed out my kids before I came to church, or if I, my boss and I just got into it all week long, if we're, I can just cover up all of that because now I'm in church. I can, just, I, can, I can balance it out. Okay, it's good. If we do all of that, sometimes it allows us to justify an unresolved relationship. Sometimes it justifies an anger that is uncontrollable. And then what happens is, then I justify in my mind, I say, well, if I don't commit murder, and, and okay, I'll go with what Jesus said. If I, if I go even farther, if I, if I don't commit murder, then I'm good. That's what the Pharisees were doing. 
okay, I know that Jesus talked about anger in this, so if I don't let any angry words dwell in my mind, if I don't let unkind thoughts mark me, then I must be okay. But the problem with that is we stop short of dealing with the heart issue. We stop short of dealing with seeking and understanding with the other person. And here's the, here's the shocking thing. Here's the shocking thing. And if, if you offer your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled. God does not want your worship if you're stuck in this. Can I say that? You see, our good works and even, even our worship can't atone for harboring contempt or anger for another. So if, if you're not speaking to somebody, if you can't stand to speak to somebody, if you're harboring unkind thoughts or, or some kind of hindrance, if you're some kind of a hindrance to somebody else, God doesn't want your worship. I don't know, maybe I need to find a better way to say that. But he says to the person who just entered the, the, the inner sanctum of the, of the temple and went through all that process, he said, I want you to leave your gift here. Don't offer it to me until you go back there and deal with it. Our gift holds no value. In Luke chapter 16, verse 15, Jesus said this, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. So leave worship. Go and be reconciled. If there's something in actual practice that I can do about it, then God wants me to do it at once. I need to humble myself. And one commentator even said, even if it means making a fool of yourself, even if it means letting the other person's gloat over me, as long as I've done everything I can to remove the barrier and the obstacle, then I can go back to worship. And then the Lord will say, it's all right. Yikes! Have you taken a breath yet? It's a consideration of your brother or your sister. But listen to this. It's mostly about your relationship to your Heavenly Father. I mean, think about it. God cannot have sin in His presence. God is a holy God. We've sung about that this morning. We considered that in our time of worship before the message this morning. God is a holy God. And I can't, I can't bring along this, this trail that's tied on behind me of, of unresolved sin. And this is an area that Jesus says is really important. The way I treat other people, my anger issues, God is saying, you need to deal with it. Don't bring it into my presence. Megan, that's why I just appreciated the devotion that you read this morning. Because it's, it, it lays out the picture very clearly. And that's why I said earlier, you're going to need this worship set to deal with the, pre the sermon today. Brothers and sisters, that's the gospel. 
That's the gospel. While I was still a rebel, as, as the song went this morning, a rebellious heart, a rebel heart, God pursued me. He came after me. Even when I didn't want it, even when I was an enemy, God pursued me. He came after me. That's the gospel. And I was caught in my sin. I was caught in my anger issue. And he took away the penalty of sin for that. That's the gospel. But then as we talked about earlier in our worship set, that God has worked step by step to transform us into a new creation. We are at once made new in Jesus Christ. We are at once made whole. We're saved by his grace. And then the rest of our lives, we're in a process of sanctification. And that's where this anger belongs. It's not a salvation issue. It's a relationship with God issue. And it's a growing in Christ issue. Brothers and sisters, if you're like me, you need to deal with this anger issue. I think it's, there's a reason why Jesus put it up towards the top in this teaching. It's because we all deal with it. We all need to deal with it. And I want you to take heart this morning that the power of the gospel is there for you. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit who resides in you. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, if you're dealing with this anger issue, I believe he's tapping you on the shoulder right now and he's saying, let's get to work. And if you're good at it like I am, you can do this and just kind of just get him away. Knock it off. But sooner or later, you need to let him wrestle you to the ground. And you need to give it up. You need to surrender your anger to the Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there is a transformation waiting on the other side of that that you will not believe. He'll take it away. He will help you to resolve the relationships that, are, that, you've, that you've entered into with this problem. Unbelievable what Jesus will do for you under the power of his Holy Spirit. So if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't given over this anger issue to him, I suggest you do it today. Just say, Lord, I surrender. I give it to you. Help me to sort this out. Search my heart. Know my wicked ways. Take it all away. I'm yours. That's the prayer. Jesus, we've, we thank you for this teaching, but it's a, it's a mirror that's too hard to look in sometimes. And that's why we thank you for being who you are, that you are, you are wholly other. You're not trapped in the sin like we are. You're not trapped in this body of death like we are. You've experienced it all. You've been tempted, and yet you overcame it all. And you sit at the right hand of the Father and you reach out to us, you call out to us, come, follow me. You've promised us abundant life. And this anger issue, when, when it's out of control, Lord, it, it impedes that abundant life that you have for us. So help us to, to comprehend this morning, Lord Jesus, the severity of this issue, the weight of this issue. And Lord Jesus, we surrender it all to you for your transforming power, for your Holy Spirit's work. Do it in your name, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. On your way, rejoice.